Hello and welcome to Rocket Accelerated Geek Conversation. I'm Simone de Rochefort. I'm a video producer at Polygon.com, and I am joined today by Brianna Wu, Democratic candidate for Congress, and Christina Warren, senior cloud developer advocate. This episode is also brought to you by Squarespace and Pingdom. How are we doing today? I shouldn't ask that. <laughs> we need to we need to clap for Christina up at five a.m. The true MVP. I should have said your name first. Yeah, no, it's, it, you no, don't get to know fine. who I am. But first, here's Christina Warren, senior cloud developer advocate, <laughs> early riser. person who can get up at five a.m. That's a skill I don't for have. the cause. No, well, honestly, it's a skill I don't. I didn't know I had, but this is how much I love the show. Also, it is International <laughs> Women's Day, which yeah. I think makes it all worth it because. I, you you two are some of the women I love. Well, no, you're probably, other than my mom, like, Aww. the women I love the most. Yeah. I feel the same way, except for Jessica Jones. And season <gasps> yes, two fair. came out today. I know. So, today? Right. Yeah. So you need yeah, to. today. If, I haven't um, watched you it yet. I will. I've only watched the first 20 minutes and I came up here and did the show. Yeah, but. I was going to say, I was like, I do not have the, uh, I have too much stuff going on um, this morning and, and today at work, but um, I do, I have a pick of the week on my show every week. Yeah. And I, I I decided last week when I saw this, I was like, oh no, Jessica Jones is my pick of the week. Got it. It's got to be it. Done. It's got to be it. I just it. had this so, huge grimace on my face as I try to figure out what I'm doing with the rest of my, like how I'm going to fit that in. But Brianna, yes, yes. carry on. Yes. Yes, I was just going to say, don't play into the hands of the patriarchy, Christina, because if you don't watch Jessica Jones, I mean, the patriarchy wins International Women's Day. That's so true. That's true. Don't That's let true. that happen. Don't let that happen. So for our first topic tonight, we have some uh, rather important business that we have been neglecting yes. here on Rocket for quite a while. And uh, Christina, it is time to give Simone her uh, annual performance review on that. Okay, that sounds <laughs> so, good. Okay, God, give it I to me. Some, I have some categories we need to go through here. And uh, you know, basically what we do is uh, you know, we're going to ask you, Simone, you've got to self-rate yourself of on course. these categories. Yeah. And then Christina and I, as your peers, we will also rate you on these categories. This sounds so, good. I'm glad that we're finally getting this all out in the open. I think right. people need to see the process. Right, right here on the air today. So, okay, so I'm looking through one of our contracts right here, and it says, uh, you must read the ad in a clear and professional voice <laughs> in a way that gets hmm. people excited about the the the, pro- the product. So do you think this year, this last year with Rocket Ads, do you think you've met expectations? <laughs> do you think you have not met expectations on that? Or do you think you uh, exceeded expectations? Well, first of all, I want to say that our definitions of professional are probably <laughs> influenced by the patriarchy. And yes. since it is International yes. Women's Day. I'm going to go ahead and just say that I've definitely clearly met expectations on that. <laughs> I'm excited. Yeah, yeah. Christine, and that what, makes the people excited. Yeah. What what feedback would you have first for Simone on that? Well, I would say that I think sometimes Simone is too professional. Yeah, way oh, too professional. Uh, you know, okay, and, and, okay. and uh, I, I think that it needs to be a little more fun and yeah. a little bit more <laughs> um, uh, tangential and unrelated to whatever. I uh, I sometimes feel like if I were an advertiser that it could feel like it was you know a, a robot or 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 like a very professional <laughs> oh, no. um, you know newscaster reading reading the ad reads and um, oh, so Christine, I I would so say sorry. I think that she does a great job and it's right. very professional but yeah. to take it to that next level for you know the next year 
uh, for, for, for year four of Rocket, be a little bit more loose, be a little more fun and, yeah. and, and, and don't be as focused on, on being a professional. Okay. I, I, I just want to really back that up. And yes, you know, Simone de Rochefort, we are not <laughs> PBS here on Rocket. <laughs> no, <laughs> so don't, so don't, don't just completely rip off their ad read style. Like this, this episode of Rocket is brought to you by like, come on, like just, Put some oh, heart into it. Yeah. Okay. I'm so thank you. consideration for this episode of Rocket brought to you today by Squarespace <laughs> and Kingdom. Right. Exactly. So that's an example of what's bad. Right. Exactly. Yes. Okay. Don't okay. Do that. Okay. Don't okay. do it. Don't do it. I think I understand now. Okay. Thank you. So uh, let's see. Our second category is uh, embarrassing my curly professionally. So oh. I sometimes like we'll sometimes do a joke on the show, and I will imagine one of our network presidents, Mike Curly, like sitting there listening to Rocket, and you know maybe he's got like a cup of tea and he's just sipping it, and then he hears something that he's just like oh my heavens, and then he's trying to, like, should I cancel that show or do we keep going? So uh, do you, how do you feel you've done this year? Do you feel you've embarrassed Mike Curley enough this year? Would you say you met expectations, exceeded, or didn't meet? You know, I think here's one again where I, I, I could say that I don't think I've met expectations. I think I could have mortified Mike Curley yeah. so much more, and I, I yeah. was honestly, there were a lot. A lot of other things that I was focusing on, but if you feel that embarrassing my curly should be my top priority moving forward, I can definitely uh, put a little more focus on that. It's in our mission statement. It's in our rocket core values. So, okay. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. yeah I, I, I read the core values every night yeah. before I go to bed. <laughs> Christina, um, what would you say with that? Yeah, I would say that uh, uh, meets. I would say could could do more. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, no. If we were if we we're doing my performance review, then I would say that I've definitely embarrassed yeah. Mike Hurley. No uh, doubt. I, no I've, doubt. I've met expectations uh, yeah. or exceeded expectations rather. Simone, yeah. though, because she's a good employee. Uh, I, I again, I I want you to focus more on on uh, making it your mission to embarrass our network president because I yeah. honestly feel like that is what our job at Rocket is, and uh, <laughs> um, you you know, and uh, yeah, so so so. Uh, I, but but I'm, I'm going to be a little bit, but but I think you're not giving yourself quite enough credit. I do think you've embarrassed him. I just think that you focus on exceeding those expectations. Okay. We want you to grow professionally. Yeah. But, we, but, yeah. but in, it is International Women's Day. We don't want you to feel like, oh, I haven't done enough. To, I haven't been embarrassing at all. Okay, because thank Simone, you. You have been embarrassing. It has been <laughs> such an embarrassment to be on the show with you. Just not as embarrassing as it could be. That's we such a relief. Thank you. I was we, really worried there for a second. We believe in you is, is our message. So, Okay, this third category, and I'm just going to say up front, I think you exceeded expectations for this. Okay. Uh, it would be throwing uh, sexual double entendres onto our show. Like, yes. I think, I think there's no one that can compete with that, and I think that you've really exceeded expectations there. Brianna, how would you rate I'm yourself? very confident about this. This is what I went to school for. It's <laughs> what, when you brought me onto Rocket, I thought, this is where I can fit in. That's what she said. And I, I, I do think that I have exceeded expectations uh, yeah. in this particular category. Yeah, Christina, so thank what, you. how do you feel about that? How do you yeah, feel? Yeah, I, I, I 100% agree. And, and I want to say uh, yes. Uh, without a doubt, uh, you've exceeded expectations. And I want you to just go on and, uh, you know, um, try even harder yeah. Uh, yeah. In, harder in the next and harder. year. Okay. Harder yeah. and harder. Uh, you know, just just really, I want you to reach peak performance. Oh you've yeah. Already, you've already you you you've already you know helped 
uh, a climax, you know, kind of once. But if we could go again and again, that would be great. <laughs> okay. That's definitely okay. within my capabilities. Great. Well, I think it's fair to say you've um, received your bonus here at Rocket this year, which will be continued access to Christian's digital movie accounts. <laughs> and hopefully... <laughs> And hopefully you will accept some cloud space on iCloud from uh, Auntie Christina. Only when this I year. manage yes. to embarrass my curly even more. <laughs> oh gosh! That's the so condition. before we get to our first hyper technical topic, I have to ask you guys: What do you think about this story with uh, Microsoft putting LTE in uh, basically their Surface uh, one of their Surface books? I am so excited about Love it. this. Love it. I mean, Smart. I know that people like Marco Arment have been, you know, railing on Apple for a long time to do it. And we've obviously seen for years, I mean, I think going back to even like the 3G era, you've you've definitely seen other Windows manufacturers do this. Yeah. Um, and, and certainly it's been a, a feature um, uh, of the very first Chromebooks, actually. Most of them don't have it anymore, but the very first Chromebooks had built in um, a wireless, uh, at least, ability. Uh, but yeah, but to have it, you know, it, it was been available for for business customers for um, uh, to order for a few months, but now it is actually available for consumers too. But you, the fact that you can get, you know, a, a Surface uh, Pro, and uh, you you can get it with 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 LTE, and it's 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 an eSIM dual SIM kind of situation. So it's international. It works on all the different LTE bands. I think it's awesome. I think that um, I've I've uh, talked to um, professionals out there who have really benefited from that. And I, I think I, I love it. I'm, and, and that's not just me as, as an employee saying that, like I would be saying this a year ago. I think it's a great trend. I, I really do wish, uh, Apple would bring it to the 12 inch MacBook. You me know, too. and I feel like, I feel like in, I feel like in 2018, people kind of know when they're, you know, accessing cellular, to like, you know, cut back on the movies you watch and don't download, you know, like, yeah. uh, you know, the entire season of Jessica Jones, even though you can't do that. But, you know, like to kind of be conservative with it. And I feel like things are so optimized. You can, you know, read the news or answer email or do Twitter without burning through your data plan. And I really hope, yeah, go and, ahead. And, and, and there, there are even some things built into Windows and you can obviously get apps for, for, for Mac OS as well, but there are some actual things built into Windows that will even like help kind of lower your data um, usage if you're on like a hotspot oh, really? or, or in this How case you're on that? LTE. How did they do it's, that? It's, it's built into the OS and it basically just, it's kind of like, um, you know, uh, putting your phone like in battery reserve mode where it just kind of isn't going to be pinging and, and downloading as much background stuff. Huh. So we're sending as many things off. So obviously if you're loading, you know, heavy web pages or whatever, like that's still going to take stuff up. But, you know, it, it like might not decide, okay, well, we're going to download this huge software update or... Yeah. You know, we're going to be sending some of this, you know, telemetry stuff back and forth. Um, so, but yeah, I mean, that's obviously the one concern with this is that do you have a data plan that can, that can keep up with it? One thing I will say is because obviously this, this sort of thing is often aimed at international customers is that the United States is, is really terrible about, you know, data caps. But if yep. you go to other countries, you can buy SIMs or in this case, you know, they like use eSIMs or whatever. Um, you, you can get, you know, very cheap data other places and very fast data. So... Um, that that's always an option too, where you don't have to kind of you know worry the same way necessarily, depending on what country you're in. Yeah, um, unless about, you're American visiting those countries. Because <laughs> when I go to Canada, it's like, hey, Brie, use 300 gigs, of, 300 megs of data. That's going to cost you four hundred thousand. No, but I mean, that's what I mean. So, well, that's what yeah. I mean. You, well, that's what I mean. Right. You could, you, but you could yeah. buy an option. You, 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 you could, you buy you could a different buy, SIM card. Like, that's what you buy a country card. That, yeah, that's what I mean. Like that's the first thing I do when I get to Europe or or any place is is I like buy a different SIM card. Do other countries have better Wi-Fi than we do? 
I mean, I'm sure I know that I know they do in in terms of quality, but uh, in terms of like having more public Wi-Fi, it depends on the country. Okay. Yeah, it really does. Yeah. Anyway, I mean, this is a great freaking idea, and I can't imagine that it, I, I I can imagine it being very useful. Rather, not can't I can. <laughs> I'm embarrassing I think if my you, curly. If you, if yeah, your way to go, Simone. Yeah, See, you're sorry. leaping on those skulls. Really uh, no, it's like up. the the iPad is so much more useful when you get a cellular model for it. And mm-hmm. I know, I used to like really waffle on that. Like, oh, am I going to be bringing out of the house enough to really justify it? But there have been so many times that my uh, cellular iPad Pro has really saved my bacon. I think and it's the kind same, of thing where same. you, if you yeah. can, then you yeah. do. Because yeah. you know that you have the option and you know you, you'll be able to keep up with everything from everywhere. Yeah, yeah. So I'd love to see them bring that to at least their 12-inch MacBook. So. Hey, y'all. This episode of Rocket was brought to you by Squarespace. <laughs> <laughs> and offer code ROCKET at checkout to get 10% off your first purchase and make your next move with Squarespace (laughs) and create a website for your next idea. Squarespace will let you create an online store, a portfolio, a blog. Squarespace is the all-in-one platform that lets you do just that. There's nothing to install, no patches to worry about, no upgrades needed. You don't have to worry about that. Squarespace has it covered. And they have award-winning 24-7 customer support if you need any help. They let you get a domain name, whatever one that you want. And they have beautiful templates. Squarespace plans start at just $12 a month with no credit card required. You can start a trial today by going to squarespace.com. And when you decide to sign up, use the offer code ROCKET to get 10% off your first purchase and show your support for ROCKET and Relay FM. Thank you, Squarespace, for your support. I'm going to start a Squarespace site right now. It's going to be called Simone's uh, Southern Accent is Offensive to My People.com. <laughs> that was that I mean, was how so can we offensive. even say that that was yeah. Southern? Do we even know what that was? I, I certainly I, don't. I don't know what <laughs> that was. Christina, like, do you have thoughts here? Like, I thought that was very offensive and appropriation. Yeah. Yeah, but I'm here for it. I mean, look, because I'm like you, 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 you know this, Rihanna. Um, I, I intentionally lost my southern accent. I worked very uh, hard. Yeah. At the age of, I, I worked very hard to lose mine. At the age of mm-hmm. ten, I do not have one. Uh, so I'm saying go for it. Like, <laughs> but, 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 very much. It sounds. You know what I love about it? It sounds like a southern accent as read by someone who's only, um introduction like exposure to the south is uh, listening to blanche on gold girl <laughs> yeah good that's it good that's it. that was the artist's choice and and honestly <laughs> rue mcclanahan is a is a hero and so i'm there for it hero yeah mine comes champion. out when i get tired like if i were waking up at five o'clock in the morning it would hmm. definitely come out at that point hmm. so suspicious yeah. does not exist like it's yeah. genuinely go- like doesn't matter I'm how so intoxicated envious. i am I'm well, so I mean, I, 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 yeah. I made the, the decision at, like, age, like, 10. So it's, it's a little different, but yeah. Did you have any final thoughts to add about the Surface LTE, or did we want to talk about Let's Vulcan? Let's move on. 
Let's talk about Vulcan. And by we, I mean, did you and Christina want to talk <laughs> about Vulcan, uh, Vulcan uh-huh. 1.1, which is out today? So this is the competitor to Metal. Well, and DirectX. And DirectX. I mean, yeah, yeah. Tell me about it. So, I mean, long story short, you know, when Vulcan came out, we were pretty critical of it on Rocket. You know, it kind of seemed like a, a pipe dream. And the idea with it was to basically create an open source, uh, you know, uh, open, not OpenGL, but uh, open source DirectX, you know, direct competitor to Metal. What, just to kind of back up for a bit, one of the reasons Metal is so awesome is it has actually, they've gone into every single, um, you know, graphical processor in Apple devices and they've gone into it, written an assembly and written a very, very thin layer. One of the issues with DirectX on Apple technology isn't just that the layer is so freaking thick that it wastes like your, your resources. It's a, it's like many, many, uh, you know, it's it's always like a few versions behind what it is on Windows. So, like, this is part of why games suck on Mac. Like, this is part of why if you're trying to play Civilization on Mac, it sucks. Uh, you know, Metal is kind of Apple's answer for that. So, when Vulcan first came out, like, Christine and I were like, oh, look at these claims from these free open source people. <laughs> these are grandiose. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think at the time, it was fair to be skeptical of that. But with 1.1 coming out, today, you can look at this entire project. And I think it is fair and accurate to say this has been a success beyond what I, I dreamed it could be. It's got near parity with uh, DirectX at this point. Uh-huh. Uh, it has a few weaknesses, like uh, you know, it won't work with uh, heterogeneous uh, GPUs, meaning if you've got like very wildly different GPUs in the system, it doesn't really know how to handle that. But overall, it uh, you know, feature for feature, it definitely has parity with uh, DirectX, and that is a really big accomplishment. I, I want to talk later about like the 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 formula for actually building this through uh, consortiums, but I wanted to get your thoughts on it, Christina, first. Yeah, no, I mean, like you said, we were really um, skeptical and critical of this. And now I feel, I, I mean, I think that was completely, completely valid at the time. But when you look at what they've managed to do with 1.1, which, which uh, you know, a, a, as you said, um, it, you know, came out this week, um, it's really impressive because the stuff that they kind of added, I mean, the, the big thing is, I mean, obviously, uh, you know, um, you know, it, it, it supports like, uh, you know, external GPUs, which is a really big deal um, on a wide range of systems. You know, it, it's uh, it can be ported. We'll talk about, it, like I said, with, with Mac OS and iOS, but obviously, you know, um, it, it's natively on, you know, Windows 7, Windows 8.x, um, uh, Windows 10. It started being built into uh, Oreo uh, with, with Android version 7.0, um, which I think was probably one of the bigger deals because when Google added native support for it uh last year with, with oreo like that's a big deal and and that shows i think um that this was really going to be going someplace um i know i think it's i think it's really impressive um and uh yeah i mean one of the new things is is that they're calling like subgroup operations which means that you can do like um multiple tasks running in parallel on the gpu and the fact that they're doing that basically you're into the project um i i i'm just kind of blown away yeah, it's really impressive. One of the things I think is really impressive about uh, Vulcan is, 
is the way that they fund the development of it. And I think this is really interesting, especially for me as somebody that's running for Congress, because this is the same model I kind of want to use for uh, cybersecurity appropriation bills. Uh, so basically what they did is this isn't uh, a bunch of like people working in their spare time on this. It is, you know, it's a dedicated open source project, but it's spearheaded and funded by a lot of um, vested, interested, um, you know, parties in the tech industry. So, you know, basically you've got people that make GPUs or, you know, or stakeholders in having, you know, efficient, uh, you know, graphical APIs out there. And they've gone and they've all contributed to this open source project. And to me, this really, you know, like, I don't, I'm not... I, I don't have an issue of proprietary software as someone that works with the Unreal Engine. I think it's like different uh, different solutions for different projects. But with this, I think it's really been a very smart way to fund the project from the start from the start to get buy-in from people, as you said, Christina, like this is integrated into Oreo over on Android. Uh, it's, it's really been the best of like, you know, corporations funding something and also reaping the benefits from it while having the best features of open source. Yeah, no, and I think that what's been really kind of incredible with this is, you know, obviously uh, Valve was a really big uh, supporter of this from the beginning, and, and that yep. goes a long way. But the fact that, like you said, I think it's a really smart way of doing open source, and it's kind of amazing that you have both AMD and NVIDIA supporting this. Yeah, um, and and uh, at, at the driver level, um, which obviously I think you know on, on Linux can cause some consternation because it's part of the proprietary drivers. Blah 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 blah. I'm like, just just go with it. Just <laughs> accept that this is happening and this is great. Yep. You know, but but the fact that it, it's great that they are part of. Um, all of these different consortiums and that they're using those employees to contribute back to open source that so this is on GitHub um, is wonderful. And uh, um, I'm, I'm, you know, I've always been a big proponent of open source. I've just been sometimes critical about whether or not um, it can be as efficient or work as well, you know, as, as more closed source models. But I think kind of this, this new wave and we see this, like the Kronos project is a great example or the Kronos group Vulcan is, is a great example of um project started from kind of the get-go with the understanding that the only way for it really to succeed is with buy-in from these, um, you know, for-profit companies um, and, and basically using them the way that they should be used um, ends up that, that it's good for everyone and it's good for the entire ecosystem. So, you know, something we are seeing, Christina, is even today, um, the games you buy on, you know, the Mac App Store generally still do not use Metal. And that's because right. a lot of them are ported from... You know, they put in a translation wrapper or do it through a translation layer, which is why the frame rate sucks so freaking hard. And it's not to say the people over at Aspire aren't really good at their job. If you've ever talked to someone at Aspire that works to port games to Mac, they are way smarter than I am. They're <laughs> really doubt. smart people. But, you know, still, like, I feel like Apple had this um, dream of everyone using metal. And the truth of the matter is because uh, the way they've run the App Store on iOS uh, really rewards in-app purchases rather than graphics. There's not really a profit motive there to develop really graphically stunning games. You know, on Mac OS, like there's just it's such a small market compared to you know Steam on Windows that uh, these games really don't get the first um, you know the the AAA treatment. Do you think, like, I mean, do you think that Vulcan could replace in some ways, uh, you know, Metal on on I, um, at least the Mac App Store? Because I could see people writing it with these drivers, 
And, and, yes, and, and know, I think they already yeah, are. But right. what Apple is doing, and this is kind of the, the 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 tricky part, is that Apple, especially with like the later versions of macOS, is very much saying, if you want to access the the true graphical capabilities of your GPU or you know your CPU, whatever, you've got to use Metal. And so the only way that the Vulkan is supported on macOS or iOS is through kind of these shims where they're basically having to build Vulkan on top yep. of the Metal APIs. And so you have to do a little more work, but fortunately there are pro- projects like like a Molten um, uh, uh, Vulkan, um, or, or I think I think that's what it's called, um, uh, you know, Molten kind of being a take on Metal or whatever. And, and um, you know, yeah, there are projects like Molten and, and things like that that will kind of help ease that transition. But I don't think you can replace it because Apple is basically saying this is the standard that we want people to be using for graphics on our platform. Um, and if you are, I think it makes it useful for for people like Unity. Um, yeah. and, and it makes it useful for people who are potentially using stuff like that. But you can't replace it. And, and so for people like Asper, who, like you said, are doing all these conversions, it might make it easier for them to get better performance um, using some of the same things they're using on Windows and reuse maybe some of the same code. I'm not sure if that, if that would be applicable or not. You would know more than I would. Um, but you're right. It is kind of disappointing that there aren't, even on macOS, a, a lot of developers really taking advantage of Metal. And I don't know why that is. Do you, do, you, do you think that it is just that the user base is so small on macOS? Do you think it's some of the App Store things? Like, What, what, what do you think it, it is? I think it's that. I also think Apple has really shipped underpowered graphical machines for a long time. Like, uh, you know, on the show two weeks ago, I was talking about my third-gen 12-inch MacBook. It's a good machine. It can barely run Civilization mm. at the lowest settings, enough to get through a game with three world leaders and just city states but you know it's really <laughs> chugging for like 20 seconds a turn towards the end there that's the entire apple ecosystem right like uh the macbook air graphically underpowered 12 inch macbook graphically underpowered uh you know even the 13 inch macbook graphically underpowered so yeah, i think yeah. so many of the machines have so little graphical power behind it that when a Mac developer is thinking about games, they're going, okay, how about something like Hearthstone, you know, which is a 2D <laughs> card game. Um, I, I think it's just the reality of the the machines that Apple's put out. Like, if you're going to really make a graphically impressive game, there's just so few people with things that can run it, if that makes sense. Speaking of running things, did you read this part about uh, Vulkan and VR uh, rendering? Yeah, yeah. Um, they got work to do. They've got work to okay, do. Okay, I was going to ask about that, because it, it says in the, the Ars Technica write-up that uh, Vulkan can use a single set of commands to produce different outputs for the two eyes that have to be rendered in VR. Do, is that something that would make things measurably better for for vr like less intensive for the computer or is that something that is going to be i guess difficult to implement well it's it's very difficult to implement i mean so with uh, one of the things is when you're making games in vr and we've had to do this at gsx for some of our vr prototypes um you have to do things like um figure out where the eye is probably going to point and then optimize the draw calls for that and the frame rate for that. So like if you have a character in the screen, 
uh, you want to really optimize your frame rate for that character because you're probably going to be looking at that versus the wall in the background, if mm-hmm. that makes sense. Yeah. That's a really good trick for avoiding nausea. But it's as you said, we've got this really uh, difficult choice to make uh, between like brute forcing that uh, with just a lot of power or getting smarter about what we're drawing, where we're drawing it, you know, what the process is for that. So I I think clearly Vulcan is improving with that, um, but it's clearly got more work to do. Okay. This episode of Rocket is brought to you by Pingdom. Oh, gosh. I I panicked. I panicked. I panicked. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I can do better. (laughs) I can do better. She opens the door. (laughs) I'm sitting at my desk. It's just another day in the big city. She says... I've got something for you. It's Pingdom. I said, what's, what are you talking about? She says, if your website was down right now, if visitors couldn't access your content or couldn't click that all important buy now button, how would you know? Chills run down my spine. I wouldn't know. She says, (laughs) I thought so. You wouldn't know until it was too late. And that's why you need Pingdom. (gasps) They give you the peace of mind you need. I know I'll never have peace of mind. Not after what happened. But she's not thinking about that. She's telling me Pingdom will let you know the moment your site goes down. In whatever way is best for you. They're dedicated to making the web faster more reliable. And if you're a Pingdom user, monitoring the availability and performance of your server, database or website will be a breeze. They use more than 70 global test servers that emulate visits to your site, checking its availability as often as every minute. That's more often than I think about the incident. (laughs) She tells me I should start monitoring my site today. I say, what do I have to do to make that happen? She says, all Pingdom needs is the URL, and they take care of the rest. (laughs) I could go to pingdom.com slash RelayFM right now. P-I-N-G-D-O-M dot com slash RelayFM for a 14-day free trial with no credit card required. That's a good thing because I only deal in cash. <laughs> and then when I sign up to have Pingdom Monitor, worldsbestdetective.com, they'll u- I'll use, I will use, the offer code ROCKET at checkout to get a massive 30% off my first invoice. And then all of my clients, they'll know that they can rely on my website, pingdom.com slash relay FM. Thank you so much. I want to thank you for that. It was so so hard. It was so hard for me to sit here and do the show and not watch Jessica Jones, but I feel like you methadoned me (laughs) into being able to finish the show today. So thank you. I appreciate that. The budget Jessica Jones. (laughs) No, you were. But I I felt it. I loved it. Thank you for that. Um, (sighs) It felt like pulp noir. Like it was really good. Yeah. That's how I like it. Great job. All right. Time to talk about Ready Player One. So this book by Ernest Klein, uh, 
So this is my experience with Ready Player One. For a long time, everyone told me that I needed to read it. And then a movie started coming out made by Steven Spielberg. And now everyone hates it. I still haven't read it. Um, But the the entire universe hates it. So uh, one thing that happened this week was that uh, Ready Player One did release some truly horrendous homage posters we're going to talk about that but we're also going to talk about just ready player one in general because as i understand it you two have both read it and you don't have as strong feelings as a lot of the internet does about uh ready player one well i i understand where they're coming from but yeah you go first christina what what do you think yeah Look, I loved the book, and I get that now people are like, you know, I didn't like it that much. I'm like, dude, a few years ago, you were all over this, and now you're just whatever. I don't know. I really enjoyed the book. Did I like his second book? No, I thought that was really bad, but like the second book sucked, right? But like the Ready Player One, I thought was fantastic, and when I saw the first trailer, I won't lie, I was super stoked, and I'm a Steven Spielberg fangirl. I don't know. I'm excited. Yeah, that's that's exactly how I feel. Um, yeah, the book came out. So just in case you don't know, the the basic plot for Ray Player One is you have a uh, a Steve Jobs type character that, um, well, less like corporate. I would say like a really eccentric game developer character that's super rich, and when he dies, he. Um, he basically makes a contest to go and find uh, find this Easter egg that he hid inside of this Matrix-like world that he created. So the idea in Ready Player One is the internet has become like a VR internet called the Oasis, and everyone goes there. And then everyone is exploring this world that has any you know like geek property you can imagine inside of it, like a Back to the Future planet or a Final Fantasy planet or a Dungeons and Dragons planet. It's all there. And it's about these group, this group of like kids that are obsessed with the 80s and early 90s, basically going and trying to find the stuff that's hidden there. The book itself is like a is like a compendium of 80s and 90s references. Like it is, it's a few years. The Ernest Klein, the guy that wrote it, is a few years older than me, and you know, many years older than you, Christina. So the it's a lot more the Atari and very yes. early PC era than it is, say, NES or Super NES. Agreed. And, yeah. and, and, I, and I think in a lot of ways, it's both inspired by, like, it, it's very much Tron, I would say, in a lot yeah. of ways, like yeah. more than Matrix, I would say. Yeah. It's like one of those interesting things. Like, in a lot of ways, the book reminded me a lot of Tron Legacy. <laughs> The movie, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, exactly. But th- that's kind of the reference. But yeah, no, you're exactly. But but so those are some of the reference points. But I still think it holds up. As a as a messy person who loves drama, I uh, will read pretty much anything about how much people hate this movie. And I have to say, the excerpts that people have posted of the book, I was not. I found the writing pretty cringeworthy. And I, I, I don't have the fuller context to understand if I'm supposed to be cringing at it, but I definitely uh, did not enjoy the parts that I have have experienced. I, I feel like it's like these excerpts. It'll like take a paragraph. And it'll have like 500 references <laughs> to like as I was going to the Back to the Future car, I looked up in the sky, which was you know blue electron. You know, like it's, yeah. it's a thousand things like that. 
as you're reading the book, and I'd love to know what you think, Christina, it doesn't feel like that. It feels like a coherent narrative and like a love letter to all these properties from the 80s. I would agree with that. And look, am I saying this is the best written thing ever? No, it's not. But I also think the excerpts make it seem worse. And I would also kind of argue that I think that one of my favorite books of all time and one of my favorite authors is Brett Easton Ellis. And I think that if you were to read some of the excerpts of American Psycho where Patrick Bateman is going through his vast consumerism stuff and you didn't know the context. And I'm not arguing the context is the same because it's not. But if you were to read some of those excerpts, you'd be like, what is this? But obviously, Brady Snellis is a much, much, much better writer than Ernest Cline. But, <laughs> you know, but, but, but I kind of, I'm with Brie. I mean, I think that you can kind of cringe, but when you're reading it, it flows. And it's a, it's a, it's a, it's an engaging story. And I think that it certainly doesn't, I, I would be curious to know for like people like me, obviously, I don't really relate to the Atari stuff as much, but as a lover of, of, um, video game and kind of computing history, I can still, buy into it. I would be curious to people who are true 90s kids and not kind of 80s, 90s hybrids like me, how much they can kind of rate into, you know, kind of relate into it from a book perspective. I have a feeling, you know, it's still engaging. But to me, that's neither here nor there. That doesn't change the fact that, that it's still a compelling story, I think, without that. And that Steven Spielberg is like the greatest storytelling of our time. So, and he hasn't made a bad movie since Hook, so, I mean, look, <laughs> That's I, true. I, I haven't even thought of that. You're I, right. I mean, That's like, fair. I will even defend artificial intelligence. Like, okay, the, the last half of that, the last, like, act of that movie was not great, but even AI was not a bad film all in. Like, it genuinely, Steven Spielberg has not made a bad movie since Hook. Like, fight me, find it for me. Um, uh, that is that is my um, actual challenge to Rocket listeners. Um, like, and, and I'm not talking about, like, oh, subjective. Oh, I didn't think, you know... Blah, 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 blah. No, like, find me, like, an actual trash movie where you're like, uh, whatever. Because, <laughs> honestly, I'm, I'm going – I have to go back to Hook to see that. And before that, it's probably, like, 1941. So – Are you saying Hook was bad? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh. Like, not even in a way where you can enjoy it from a camp perspective, like, later on. It's bad. And then you have to view it through the bubble of biggest filmmaker – get some of the biggest stars, Dustin Hoffman, Julia Roberts, although she was kind of, she was in her, um, everybody hated her phase, uh, yep. which people don't remember. But there was a time <laughs> when, when she was like kind of box office, not poison, but but people were like backlash against her. I think it's yep. the Kiefer thing. Uh, I think it's the Kiefer Jason Patrick thing. Uh, do you know about this, Simone? No. Quick side attachment because this is amazing. Tell so uh, she, uh, she was supposed to be getting married to Jason Patrick. And then two days before the wedding, she like rolled off with his best man, uh, <gasps> Kiefer Sutherland. Yep. Yo, Julia. True get story. It. True story. Yeah. And then she like married Lyle Lovett, who everybody was like, why? And yeah. that was a really I, weird oh wedding. Oh my God. That. I've not thought about oh that my since God. the 90s. Lyle Lovett. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and so now. there's this, who knows, not married to Julia Roberts. And then it was kind of this weird thing where, where she, like was in a kind of a couple of string of bad films because obviously Pretty Woman was such a massive, massive success that it kind of catapulted her into, you know, stratospheric fame when she was really young. And then she was in the tabloids for all kinds of reasons. And and um, it was really uh, my best friend's wedding um, that that kind of uh, reignited her career. And from that point forward, she could do no wrong again. But she'd kind of had a string of like not great films. And uh, Hook was kind of the start of that. But and everybody my best kind friend's of wedding is kind of like what happened what you just told me in her real yes. life. Yes. Yeah. Well, yeah. and also Runaway Bride. 
also oh, Runaway Bride because oh, because she oh, been oh, that, that's what that's I'm the one. Of. Yeah, I was gonna say yeah. Runaway Bride, which came out a couple years later, which was her reunion with Gary Marshall, uh, 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 and Richard Gere, uh, was uh, was basically what her own kind of early twenties was like. Because also she'd yeah. been, I think, engaged or, or in a long term thing with Dylan McDermott, who played her uh, husband oh, in Sue Magnolias. Anyway, there's messiness. I'm just okay, saying. Okay, like, I love it. And, and anyway, queen, Julie Roberts uh, right. was in Hook, which you tell me was a bad movie it was very yeah, but Julie Roberts is awesome I just want to make that clear I think that she's a queen and like end of all things I'm just saying like people forget that like before like in in, in an era before internet tabloid culture Julia was like bringing us drama and she really I, for was one year for it she really and also was. she's a hell of an actress and um Aaron Brockovich is still one of my favorite things to watch. Oh, I've and, never uh, seen that. Even to you this have day, to. I've never that, that, seen that. That's what she won an Oscar for. It's a great film. Anyway, she's amazing, period. But yeah, um, Notting Hill, you know, I'm just a girl, you know, um, looking at a boy, you know, asking oh. him to love her. Yeah, yeah. she's great. Um, Can I talk it, about like Ray Player One? Yeah. Please. I'm yes. sorry. I'm so sorry. Go on. It's 5 a.m. for me. I'm so yes. apologetic. Go on. No, no, please. no. It's a great tangent. Um, so I do want to say there are a lot of really fair critiques of this book. Uh, Ernest Klein cannot write women out of a paper oh, bag. No, 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 no. And it's bad in Ready Player One, his character of Artemis. Like, she is, it is so sexist in ways he will never understand. <laughs> yes. Like, so this, the character of Artemis, like, she is, she's another girl, she's a girl that's obsessed with 80s culture, just like our, our hero, um, you know, uh, Percival is. Um, but uh, because she's not like a size six character, like he thinks of himself as the one person in the world that could truly love her. And it's like, she, it's really weird if you're reading this book as like a woman, because she's, <laughs> she's there and she's trying to get on with her career. And at one point in the book, like, and I don't know if he'll follow this in the movie, but at one point in the book, she like draws a line with him and she's like, look, I need to focus on the hunt for this Easter egg. And it just feels like the world's biggest injustice to the male character. And he goes and invades mm-hmm. her, her privacy. And then like they have this lovely thing at the end where he's the only person that could truly love her <laughs> because she isn't size six and yeah, has a, a I don't want to spoil it. But anyway, it is so cringeworthy. But as bad as that book is, the writing of women in his follow-up book, Armada, is so beyond sexist and cringeworthy that it just makes it's it's hard to finish the book. It's so bad. So his his mother, the main character's mother in Armada, which is pretty much just a copy of the character from Ready Player One, has an ultra-hot mom that <laughs> never fell in love with anyone else besides uh, like her, you know, the main character's dad, who is such a stand-in for Ernest Klein. And then like the one woman in the book is like this ultra-hot like other player who has no personality other than to be like a reward for the male character, like completing the book. And it is so bad. So if you want to make a, an argument that the the women in Ready Player One are weakly written and that there's a lot of transphobic uh, context behind it, I'm a thousand percent there for that. But it's still a good book. And it's I heard like, that you also to, not yeah. great with the, the two Japanese characters. Oh, it's so racist. It is oh, so yeah. racist. I, I, I'm, not, I'm just kidding oh. that. But, but, but again, I mean, I think that it's still... Yeah, it's a good story. I mean, you can ignore the terrible parts because there are plenty of books. I mean, it's a pulp kind of novel. I would say this, too. We haven't seen the movie yet. And again, we're talking about Steven Spielberg, a guy who has a history of writing and creating really good female characters, even in male-driven plots. Yep. And 
has a history of actually being pretty racially sensitive. So yeah, yeah, I, I it's it's not like Ernest Klein wrote the screenplay. Yeah. Yeah, I think I hadn't thought of that, Christina. It's probably dead on. Um, but just to back up what you're talking about, <laughs> Zach Penn. Zach, I mean, I mean, this yeah, is from Zach ahead. Penn. So Zach Penn, you know, has, has given us, you know, good stuff. You know, I mean, he was on the Avengers and and X Men too. Like, I I guess like, I I I under I understand where I I totally understand liking things that have like. Elements of them that are bad because I I am exactly the same. But there's a whole ton of stuff I love a, about uh, uh, their things. Anyway, um, I guess my what I question is, I get that this was a hugely popular book. Is it the best thing to adapt for these talents like Steven Spielberg, uh, like this screenwriter? Is this the best thing that they could adapt when the source material is? so messy aren't there other yeah. stories that have yeah. better female characters really better asian characters yeah. no no i i would say no i would say that the, the the idea you you can get around that stuff and, and sadly ernest klein is also credited on the screenplay but whatever you know yeah. zach penn did most of the work but you know i i would say the the basis of it because you're, you're looking at all the outliers you're looking at all the problematic things and i'm not arguing that they're not there but i think the basic story of kind of exploring this world and bringing this to life is extremely now and, and is extremely pertinent. It opens up a lot of really interesting questions that we're all kind of grappling with, even if you kind of, you know, take, you know, e- even even taking the, the messy stuff into account. Yeah, I think that this is very much something that should be adaptable. I think that this is, yeah, I, I do. Because, I, I, again, it's an adaptation. And I don't feel like you're rewarding. I mean, the, the, he's already been rewarded. He'd already sold, you know, I'm sure that the screenwrites were sold as soon as the book, you know, like was probably sold. You know what I mean? It was. That was so, how they got the secret uh, contest in it, where if you found the Easter egg hidden in the book, you wanted to worry in because like <laughs> even before it came out, they knew that was going to be there. So yeah. So I'm just saying like, I don't know. I just feel like he already got his money. Like that's, it's already found success. Like might as well do something cool visually. I don't know. I, mm-hmm. I, I'm not, I, I feel like sometimes, especially, I think people are looking at this, people especially who haven't read the book, and a lot of the critiques I've read are from people who haven't read the book and are only going based on excerpts, and I can't stand that. Like, if you've read the book and you are really bothered by it and you really feel like there's no merit, fine, then don't see the movie or, or you know, whatever. But I, I'm not comfortable making a statement like, oh, well, we should be adapting other things and other things should be getting, you know, um, $100 million budgets because let's be very real, just the basic outlines and sketch of this story is definitely ripe for what, you know, a hundred million dollar, you know, big budget action summer, you know, you know, spring kind of movie should be like, it's got all those ingredients. Mm-hmm. So I mean, also, if I could say like, there are so many progressive elements to this book that just are completely ignored by the Twitter outrage machine. And I just want to give a few. So the world of ready player one is one where gentrified housing has gotten so extreme that the poor live in like the the place where this character grows up and is horrific is the ultimate extension of like failed government infrastructure policies energy is the most precious thing you could possibly have so it's all about an energy crisis and about a generation that did nothing about global warming 
or wealth inequality. That is the main theme of the book. The entire plot device of the book is what happens if we don't save net neutrality. The entire plot of the book is uh, them basically trying to save uh, the Oasis to make sure a corporation doesn't have control over the guidelines of it. It has motifs in it about the need for uh, smart locks on handguns so people that aren't authorized can't use it. Uh, it has a lot of motifs in it about uh, destruction of the environment and the scarcity of uh, air travel uh, if we stay on our current uh, course. So there are there are a lot of this. I would say the biggest theme of the book. Yes, there's racism in it. Like when they're talking to uh, you know Shoto and Percival are talking, and he goes into that fake white boy Japanese thing. It makes me cringe so hard I can barely finish the book. But more than that, it is a real book about environmental destruction and what happens if like um, you know, my generation and your generation and your generation, Christine, if we don't like fight up against this legacy of the baby boomers, that is the main theme of the book. Yeah, so that's true. I just think there's no credit for that in kind of the Twitter outrage machine. Can we talk? Uh, speaking, of, wow! I was gonna, I was gonna do a better segue, and then I, I got lost in your words. Sorry, you yeah. said something about visually interesting earlier, and then I was gonna huh. segue into talking about the posters, the posters. which are genuinely yes. the worst yes. thing I've ever Sorry. seen. Sorry, yeah, no, no, you're good. I wanted to let you like have that full thought because you clearly had a good. I talked so much thought. about. It. What do you think, Christy? I know, Simone. What do you think about them? Uh, whatever you may say about the source materials slash trailers slash story bones, these posters are bad. <laughs> so uh, they released a bunch of homage posters to various movies like The Matrix, like Bullet, uh, like um, I, I can't think of the other ones right now because I'm looking at the parody article. Uh, much like Stranger Things is. So Stranger Things also did a bunch of homage posters to 80s horror films uh, when Stranger Things season two came out, and they were very good. And these Ready Player One posters, unfortunately, do not look that good. And I, I'm trying to pinpoint. So Addie Robertson at The Verge, uh, we quoted her in the Polygon write-up, says the aesthetic looks more like yeah, looks more like something you'd get if you handed a teenager a cracked copy of Photoshop. And it's true. <laughs> Why did they yep. do this? I don't understand. You have a m- millions of marketing dollars and you make these posters where it absolutely looks like the main character's VR character's head was like glued on to the original and kind of painted over with the smudge brush. I'm not sure. And like, uh, no, I mean, I don't agree. They're not great. Although I do kind of like the Iron Giant one. I don't, I'm not yeah. opposed to that one at all. I think that yeah. was actually well, the really Giant good. One's the one where you can't really see the character's body. Well, I know, but it's like all 8-bitty and like, I don't know. I like it. Um, That's I what know. I'm saying. I mean, it was easier to do. They didn't have to obviously. do any art. <laughs> No, I mean, look, I, I mean, I think that that critique, especially, I think the most cringeworthy one is honestly the Matrix one. Like, that's the one oh, where, where, it, where it literally oh. looks like they just, like, took, like, they, they put a wig on Neo. And, yeah, no, the, the, the Matrix one is really bad. I think these are just, like, promo posters for the internet. Like, I don't think they're actually making these as actual posters. They're very, as a professional, 
as a professional anything. Oh, I, I don't disagree. I'm just saying, I, I don't, dis- well, because I think that marketing people are some, whatever marketing place they use for this are bad. And, and that's evidenced by the fact that like people on the internet are doing like a better job with them. They literally should have gone to Tumblr and, and hired Tumblr people to make them for them because um, people are doing a better job. Um, but um, it's a weird decision. These posters were really weird. Decisions. It's so strange. I don't like in terms of, of making the movie look cool. It does the opposite. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I would I agree with that. I mean, I think that it's, yeah, it's a questionable marketing decision uh, for sure. But uh, I, like I said, I mean, I don't know. You and this is the movie. Doing, it's going to be at South by Southwest, which is kind of the perfect place for this movie. And if you do, if you don't think that all the same people who are are, are bitching and moaning about this on Twitter, who are going to be at, at South by, aren't going to be like all over themselves for whatever stupid experiences the studio puts out around this, you're kidding yourselves. These same people are going to be like taking selfies and doing all kinds of you know. Um, uh, you know, Insta stories and 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 Snap stories and whatnot. Um, and Snapchat like next filters weekend. make better posters than these. You're not wrong. <laughs> You're not wrong in the slightest. I'm not arguing that. I'm just saying, like, like, I, I, you know, I, I feel like that these are. I don't know. I, I feel like it's not like these are are the actual movie posters. That this is like an online campaign. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, they're bad, but but, but I'm yeah. just delighting in the. The the laughs that this has provided me. These friggin' hideous. Anyway, yes. So we will I'm I'm looking forward to reviews of it. Uh I will yes. I'm looking forward to finding out what people think of it and whether Steven Spielberg has pulled one out uh with the source material. What, Christina, are you up to this week? Well, it's uh, International Women's Day, and I was at a uh, last week. I was um, the reason I was on the show is because I was covering the Black Women Talk Tech Conference, yes. and that was really inspiring and awesome. And so, um, there's actually a video up on Microsoft's uh, startup YouTube channel that includes some interviews with um, some of the amazing women that I talked to, kind of talking about entrepreneurship. And I'll put a, throw a, a link in there because um, I'm excited to see those those women, you know, get um, and have their voices be told, even if it's in like a, you know, promo thingy. Um, we're going to have more interviews and more stuff coming out from that. Um, uh, uh, we've got a bunch of stuff coming up this spring. Um, the, the Microsoft Build Conference is uh, May 7th through 9th. Um, so for any listeners who are, you know, whether it's at work or personal, if you're interested in going, um, rocket rules, same WWC rules apply. If, if you're in a rocket shirt, you get a drink on me. Um, actually, you know, if you just tell me that you're a rocket listener, if you, if you don't have a shirt on, since it is like my company's conference drink on me. Um, so I just want to throw out that out there cause we're, we're getting into, into some of the planning stages with that, which is really exciting. And, uh, uh, Jessica Jones, I'm planning on binging on that this weekend. Ooh. Yes. Honestly, that's, I think what I'm going to be doing this weekend. I've got no friggin' plans. It's already Thursday. I'm, what am I doing? I'm not doing anything. Watch my videos at youtube.com slash polygon. Brianna, what are you doing this week? <laughs> I am about to, as soon as I get off of uh, doing this podcast, I'm going to go for a run. And uh, then I'm going to go over to NBC. We're going to be doing uh, Katie Turr on MSNBC today. Uh, going up against Trump. 
trying to pin uh, school shootings on the video game industry, which let me tell you, like, this is uh, the oldest playbook. They tried yep. to do this with Dungeons and Dragons in this the This has 80s. literally been going on for 40 years. Like, it's, yep. it's silly. It, and yeah. they did yeah. Satan worship, and now they're trying to blame Good it on us. Like, 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 this, 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 this is some Tipper Gore BS, and it's like, yep. okay, like, this is how we got the ESRB, which I'm not opposed to because at least it's better than government regulations. But, like, are sure. you serious? Yeah, no, I'm so glad you're doing this. A, Katie is yeah. amazing um but but be like this is one of those things and, and for people who are like oh liberals keep calling for you know censoring video games uh, granted some liberals have been like oh games are too violent i've never been one of those liberals i'm like let games be whatever the hell how you want them to be they're games there's never been a link to violent video games and, and actual that, violence there's i mean for me the argument i've said i've never wanted to censor games like dead or alive which is just a fancy boob jickle Oh, yeah. I don't want to censor that. What I want are different games. And I want more choices for consumers. Agreed. Because I I want a male dead or alive is what I want. I mean, I would watch that. I would play that. Um, But yeah, uh, I tell you, like, I've gone, I've been talking to academics, (laughs) like going, okay, can you help me quote this story, this study here accurately? So I'm going to kick all kinds of ass with that today. It's going to be the first interview I've ever given where Gamergate and I are going to have the same opinion. So. Oh my god, that's horrifying! <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> Welcome it to is. 2018. Ah. Um, so, wait, oh my is god, there, is there a place? How can we watch that? Uh, I'll give the link, and uh, if it comes out before the show go, goes live, I'll um, put it in the show Perfect. notes. And also, we've got to put your videos in the show notes, Christina, because they. Oh are yeah, awesome. yeah, yeah. Same goes for that. Yeah. All right, yeah. Link me to those when they when it's all prepared. Uh, Brianna, where can we find you online? Space Cat Gal on Twitter or on Facebook. You can go to developer Brianna Wu. All right. Christina, what about you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at film underscore girl, Snapchat, uh, uh, which I'm never on, at film underscore girl, Instagram, film underscore girl. And you can find videos that I do at work at um, youtube.com slash Microsoft Developer. And uh, yeah. R.I.P. Snapchat, geez. You can find me at youtube.com slash polygon and also on Twitter at doomquasar, uh, where I make tweets that sound like an ebook spot wrote them instead. Uh, <laughs> thank you, everyone, for listening to this episode of Rocket. If you liked it, please go on to Apple Podcasts and rate it. Um, oh, man, I tried to do a good voice there, and it just it got away from me because of all the coffee in my chest. Oh, God. Anyway, <laughs> please tell your friends about the show. Tell them it's a good and normal show that you definitely enjoy listening to every week and that you would give five stars to and a, a review that reads, great show on Apple Podcasts if you did leave a review. And if, you, if, you were, if that's what's keeping you back, if you're like, I don't know what I'd write, I just gave you a big clue there, buddy. Great show. I think if someone reviews the show and says a great and normal podcast, we will read that review on next week's show. Yeah, I'm going to make sure that no one has done that. (laughs) No, but if you do, like, that would be badass. Like, do it. Yes. Tell them, tell everyone it's normal. Tell them there's nothing weird about it. This episode of Rocket is terminated. 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 Terminated.